This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Watch the left field deep. Bam going back, looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back. Go for Yelich. Cody Bellinger hits one out. Beat Alonso. He's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Are you ready to go, A's fans? I hope you are. And, of course, all baseball fans, we're going to be with you for the next two hours, getting you ready for the Athletics and the Angels. And we've got so much to talk about around Major League Baseball. The Athletics with the win last night over the Angels 7-5. to And with me today, we'll be going on this journey as we're going to look back 17 years ago today. Scott Hatterberg stepped up. Pinch hit Jack, the A's, at the time setting the American League record for 20 straight wins. Scott Reese joins us, KTVU Television, and even more importantly, the voice of his alma mater, the Stanford Cardinal. Townie, good to be here talking baseball. Um, tell you what, how how great is this day, right? Last time I did this a couple weeks ago, it was about 132 degrees on the yeah. field, right? Today, <laughs> this is perfect, man. Yeah, I mean, that's it. You know, th- this is so unique, and it's an honor to be a part of what we're building here with A's Cast Live, the talk show, along with A's Cast, our 24-7 streaming station, to where we really get an opportunity to see what no one else really gets to see and report anywhere else in the game because nobody in baseball is doing this. Do we have him? Do we have Mark Mulder? Mark, how you doing? It's Chris Townsend and Scott Reese with A's Cast Live. We appreciate you taking the time. How are you? I'm good, man. How are you? Uh, We're doing great as today, 17 years ago today, you were part of a team that set a record winning 20 straight games. And uh, we're going to talk to Scott Hatterberg later in the show, but just – Take us through that night, Kansas City. You get out to the lead, you give it up, and then for the third straight day, you would have a walk-off hit. What a special run that was for your ball club! Yeah, it really was. It was. Uh, I mean, to be honest, there's not a whole lot of the game I remember, other than kind of what you said. I mean, I remember being up by a whole bunch with with Hudson on the mound, and you're thinking, "Oh, here we go. We're just going to cruise." win this 20th game and we'll move on to Minnesota and uh you know before you know it here come a few more runs and I remember Huddy getting taken out of the game and then all of a sudden a few more runs happen and next thing you know I think somebody I think somebody hit a homer to tie it I don't I don't remember specifically but I remember just going are you kidding me they just tied the game like this is this game and then obviously Scotty hit that homer man and it was uh I remember all of us celebrating and 
you know, I tell people wins, I think 18, 19 and 20, we, from the field up to the clubhouse, there's maybe 30, 40 steps that we have to go up to. And I just remember all three days, just running up those steps with some of the other players, just going, are you kidding me? Did that really just happen? You know, because all three of those wins were so crazy and so dramatic that, um, but obviously Hatterberg's probably the craziest of them all. Mark, you don't see a lot of even 10-game win streaks in baseball. 20 is such an incredible number. Was there a point along the way where you and your teammates started to really realize, you know, hey, this is a thing and, and these games are, are verging on historic now the way we're going? Um, yeah, but it wasn't until those, those last few because if I remember correctly, I think up until win 14, it was everything was about whether we were going to go on strike or not. So those first, you know, wins, let's say 8 to 14, weren't even talked about on TV. They weren't even really written about that much other than, oh, A's won again because we came down to the deadline and we settled it that the, there was a new agreement right before that, that last night. And then obviously 15 and 16 got a little bit of attention. And then Tejada had those couple walk-offs that, you know, ultimately – helped them win the MVP and, and all that kind of stuff. So it was uh, all the attention and all the hype of it didn't happen until the last few wins. Yeah, I forgot about that because you're right. 18 and 19 were the walk-offs for Tejada, Hatterberg in 20. But I forgot yeah. that we were talking labor strife, and we were like, "Oh my God, you can't, you can't, <laughs> can't do stop it. it now. You can't do what they did <laughs> back in 1994. It'll kill the it'll kill the sport." Yeah, so all of the attention was on that. And I remember us being in – I remember another – the only other win in that whole thing I remember, I want to say it was somewhere maybe around 10, 11-ish. We were in Detroit, and we got down a whole – I think Aaron Harang started a game and didn't have a very good game, and we were down a whole bunch in that game, and we made a crazy comeback. Uh, I remember John Mabry hit a big homer, uh, and we ended up winning that game. But like I said – Everything, even all the stuff in the clubhouse was all about, okay, what's latest on negotiations? What's this? Because we didn't know what was going to happen. So there really wasn't any attention on our streak until it got to about 16. And then obviously with Tejada's walk-offs, it just blew it up even that much more. So you win 20, back-to-back-to-back walk-offs. You're in this crazy mode. 20 is such a nice round number. But nobody wants this thing to end, right? What was it like, you know, carried over to the next day? And, you know, obviously it ends at 20, but, but was there is it disappointment? Was there any sense of relief that you can kind of go about get back to sort of business as usual? Or what, what was the feeling when the, the streak finally came to an end? Um, I've told a bunch of – I don't know if you guys have heard this story or not. I've told this before. David and – and we still get all over David Justice for it. But he gets up prior to the game and DJ had been on a, you know, a handful of those really good Yankee teams and this and that. And DJ kind of gets up in the clubhouse before the game and goes, Hey guys, I just want to let you guys know something. And we're, this is in Minnesota before the possible 21st win. And he gets up and kind of gives a little talk like, guys, this is amazing. I've been on a lot of successful teams with the Indians, the Yankees, whatever it is. What we're doing right now is special. You know, take this in, enjoy it. You know, let's go out and do our thing and this and that. And he gives this really cool speech and we go out and lose. And <laughs> he comes, he comes in, he comes into the clubhouse right after the game. And I'm not going to be able to say exactly what he said, but he essentially said, that'll be the last time I'm ever getting up and talking ever again. <laughs> and 
he and we turned on music and you never would have thought that we lost because in a way it was hey guys we just did something really cool let's enjoy it instead of sitting here pouting in the in the clubhouse let's just enjoy it so we basically reacted after that game as we maybe would another type of win throughout the season you know we didn't uh we, nobody was really too upset other than po- probably Corey Lytle because he's the one who started that game. But um, it was just one of those things. I, I believe Brad Radke started for the Twins, and he dealt. So there really wasn't there really wasn't anything we could really do in that game. He pitched great. You know, I, I asked this of Scott Hatterberg earlier today when we uh, taped an interview with him. You know, when you're going through it, you may not really know how special it is. But after that, because of your group and what was going on, a best-selling book was written about your group, Moneyball. <laughs> then Brad Pitt is putting together a movie that was up for an Oscar. When you look back now, even though you guys didn't end up winning a World Series, but your group really was so special. How do you, how, how do you look back on that group and that run that led to a best-selling book and an Oscar nomination for a movie? Well, I, th- I think it's the word you just used, special. I mean, the major- not the majority, a good part of that team, I'm still in contact with a lot of those guys. I, we still text. We still talk from time to time. A few of the guys I still see all the time. Um, imagine if we would have won a World Series with that team. I mean, that would have been, been crazy, you know. It's just it's, – it's one of those things where – but I almost look back at a handful of those teams, and it's – in a way, it's kind of disappointing because we were so talented and we were so good, and we were, but we were so young. And I realized that when I got traded to St. Louis, that very veteran-type team, that's what made me realize how important some of those older guys who'd been there, done it, had playoff success, just how important they were come playoff time, which – we never had in any of those Oakland on any of those Oakland teams. First of all, Mark, for, for the record, there was not enough Mark Mulder in the movie. Okay, let's just get that out there. <laughs> um, but, but that said, you know, I'm sure you were asked this a hundred times when the film came out. But I'm curious, as somebody who's seen it multiple times, how close did they encapsulate the spirit of that run and that win streak and how that movie ended? Um. Well, first and foremost, I thought the I thought the movie was good. I, I thought they did a good job. I mean, there were so many things in the movie that were uh, blown out of proportion, <laughs> right. blown out of proportion, I guess, or made up. You know, I mean, but it's we weren't paying for drinks in the clubhouse. Um, <laughs> you know, th- things like that. I mean, there were a lot of things that they showed that I personally interactions with players. Uh, whether it's David Justice in the batting cage. I mean, some, a lot of those things never happened. You know, so there, there could have been a conversation, but it, it wasn't like that. So some of those things were made up. Um, but to be fair, I thought the movie was great. Um, I've only ever watched it one time. Um, I, no reason. Just I thought it was good. I'm not a big person who rewatches movies. But it was, uh, it was fun to watch. And, you know, they did a good job. But a lot of the stuff... I think with our team and things like that, it's hard to really put that into a movie to where the people at home can understand just how close of a team we were. I'd probably say the number one thing is how they kind of made Art Howe look like the villain. Right. And there was no way yeah. he was the villain. You guys loved Art. 
The art was great. Art was art. I mean, he's one of the he was one of the nicest people in baseball that I'd ever met. You know, and but that's that's my whole point is so many things in that movie were made to be something they weren't. You know, I mean, you can sit there and say, okay, Art was mad when Billy got rid of the guys that he wanted to play, or, you know, so that Art was forced to play certain guys, whatever it is. But that that how it all went down with Art was not his personality, and it wasn't the way he acted, and it wasn't the way he carried himself. So who should have played you in the movie? Oh, jeez. I have, I have no idea. <laughs> when, when, I, we, when we do the sequel, who's going to play Mark Mulder? I don't think anybody will play Mark Mulder because it really wasn't that important. <laughs> <laughs> well, your time here in Oakland was so special, and, and let's end on this. Hudson Mulder and Zito, you guys are always going to be linked together. What was a what was yeah. it like to be a part of that trio? Um, wow. Um, I would probably say you know the the small amount of success that I did have. Um, in my short ish career, I wouldn't have had if it wouldn't have been for them because we pushed each other each and every day. Um, nobody really wanted to be that weak link in the rotation. I think because the three of us were so looked at as, as one almost that, you know, they put, we, they put more pressure on me, but in a good way. Um, we could all learn from each other, even though all three of us pitched kind of completely different. Um, it was the way you watch them handle certain situations, the way they go about their business day in, day out. And, um, I, I just appreciate that time. We, we had a great time together. Like I said, the whole team, not the three of us, we were all young. We were all having success together, and uh, it made for some great years. Hey, Mark, we always appreciate the time. Love having you on. Hit them straight down there in the Valley <laughs> of the Sun, and we'll catch up with you yep. later on. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Mark Mulder, if you could, like, sculpt a left-handed pitcher. Yeah. Tall, broad shoulders. Good looking. I mean, he had it all. And clearly self-deprecating, right? Because he was, for about a five-year stretch there, he was one of the best pitchers in baseball, certainly one of the best left-handed pitchers in baseball. Uh, he won 103 games in a, in a really good nine-year career. So, you know, not, not to understate the contributions of, of all three of those guys, obviously, Timmy and, and Barry Zito as well. That era reminds me of an era with the Golden State Warriors. We'll bring it up next right here on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Cast Live continues from Ricky Henderson Field. Here's Chris Townsend. Coming up here at 430, the manager of the greatest offensive team in the history of baseball, Fran Reardon, (laughs) PCL Manager of the Year, friend of the program, Fran Reardon. They win last night. The first game's today. So they're starting their playoffs against Sacramento, which is now the Giants, which makes it a little more heated because even David Force told us on this very program, Ace Cast Live, they always like beating Sacramento because Sacramento, the the AAA team, chose the Giants over the Athletics. That's what pushed the A's to Nashville and now to Las Vegas. Problem is, ever since the A's left, they don't win. They have really struggled. Their attendance is way down. We know how bad the Giants' farm system has been. Right. So it's going to be heated. First game is in Sac or Vegas? Sac. Sac. First two games are in Sac. All right. When these two teams. 6.30 tonight. 
When they get together, anything can happen. So there are certain teams in sports that they don't win a title, but you remember them so fondly you love them like they won a title. And I'll never forget, Scott, when the night, and I was doing Warriors at the time, honoring the We Believe team, right? Sure. And the We Believe team, yes, it was historic because they beat Dallas in the first round, an eight beating a one, but then lost the next round. But people loved that team so much, you would have thought they were the team that won multiple championships. You had Warrior, this version's Warrior players honor them by wearing their jersey. They were an eight seed. I mean, even looking at these A's teams all these years during this era in the early 2000s that got to the postseason, you know, for for a lot of our fans, they were little kids during that time or teenagers at that time. They don't remember the late 80s. They certainly don't remember the 70s teams. This was their great team. Well, and it's all context, right? I mean, it's not just an eight seed beating a one seed. If the Boston Celtics or the Lakers had snuck into the playoffs around that time as an eight seed and knocked off the one seed, nobody would have cared, and it would not be uh, historic, and the people in L.A. wouldn't think, yeah, remember that year? You know, right? But here, it was different, right? Barren. I mean, you had to go all the way back to the mid-'70s since they'd won a title. It was a big deal just getting into the playoffs in those days, right? Big deal. So you knock off number one, Dirk punches the wall, and they had so much charisma, right? There were all those personalities on that team. So that's how legends are made, and it's really stood the test of time. You could also throw in there Run TMC. Run TMC really wasn't together that long as Richmond would get traded to the Sacramento Kings. They won a little bit in the postseason, and it's just – We're going to look back at that era as truly a great time to where you can't say it enough. They were so interesting, and Billy Bean was so interesting. A best-selling book and a movie that was up for an Oscar, an Academy Award. That's how interesting this time of A's baseball and really, I think, rejuvenated the fan base again because, let's face it, you know, the, the way A's baseball has worked, you know, you ha- you know they come over from Kansas City in 1968. You have the run starting in 71 through 75. You have the three titles, 72, 73, 74. I don't remember that. Well, I was born in 72. Two, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, so I don't remember that. And then Billy Martin comes in, rejuvenizes it again, but then a lull. And then here comes the big boys, the Bash Brothers and Ricky Henderson. You have one of the best teams of all time. They win one World Series. But there's still a lot of our fan base. Like I look at my producer, Cody, who's 30. He doesn't remember that. Really? Wow. We are old. Yes. <laughs> yes. They don't remember. I mean, so so they've never we, – we have so many great A's fans. And, you know, so many call in on, on the postgame show. They've never seen the team win a World Series. So their closest oh – their closest thing are, are Hudson, Hudson, Hudson Zito, Giambi, yeah. Tejada, right? Yeah, no, that's exactly. And, again, it's context, right? That's Boy, that's fascinating. You just assume that everybody who comes to this stadium has a, a working knowledge of at least the Bash Brothers, at least going back that far, right, Bash Brothers and Ricky and all that. And But I guess not. I guess it's it's been a long time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was in high I, school. I, I, so was I. So and that's, and that's why I think Ray Fossey is so important. You know, he's the one guy that bridges the 70s right, right. as a player, broadcaster, 80s to this date. So no, no matter really what age, because I've got buddies who are older Ace fans, and and we'll bring them. And I always, they you know, they always want to talk to Ray, and they're like little kids when they see Ray. So 
it's important that you have somebody like Ray Fossey who bridges all the gaps. Everybody has some – you either watch him as a player or you grew up watching him or listening to him on the radio or watching him on TV. Right. Well, it's perspective, right, and, and it's unique perspective because, like you said, there aren't a lot of guys who can claim to have been a part of those multiple eras – in the, in the franchise's history. So, yeah, extremely valuable to have Ray around, and I guess we're going to have him on today. So I got a chance to uh, wrap with my guy Emo before the, we went on today and talking about relievers, and we've, we, we, we saw this. 859 different players have pitched this season. <laughs> 859. That is already the record. It is amazing the amount of people that are coming in and out of this game from a standpoint as pitchers. It's good for uh, it's good for business, right? Keeps a lot of guys employed. If you're a reliever, <laughs> it, what's going on this year is is fascinating, and I think that's you know that's one thing when we bemoan the A's, you know, have had bullpen issues. You, you really have to stop and think. It's not just here, right? Oh, this no, is going no, no, on no, no, everywhere no. around baseball, and it's part and parcel to the era that we are now existing in with, you know, the uh, the, the baseballs being what they are and home runs being hit at a record pace. Well, somebody's got to pay the price, and a lot of the time it's going to be relief pitchers. And to take that a step further, you know, generally the strongest pitchers on the staff at least from a pedigree uh, standpoint when you're coming up, they're either starting or they're closing. You know, and the guys in the middle may be trying to work their way up, and those are the guys that are getting hammered. Scott Reese with us here on A's Cast Live, the voice of the Stanford Cardinal. Uh, big win against Northwestern in the first uh, game there on the farm. That was a nice win. And a late cover, which is always good for certain people. <laughs> um, yeah, I was looking at it last night because when you – because someone was texting us, because you can text us at 510-897-1322. And the, the text line was about, hey, the, these guys are way overworked. So I had to go look it up, and I talked to Emo about this. And I said, hey, Emo, do you know where you guys rank in innings pitched? And I don't think a lot of people really know this. And a lot of people don't really look it up, and I'm a baseball dork, so I did. Um, the athletics are in the bottom half of innings pitched as a bullpen. Now, I think when you watch – see, here's the thing about covering baseball. You get so into your team. Right. Right? We, we, we like to cover all 29 teams here. That We like to do that. But you get so into your team, you're like, oh, man, these guys are so overworked. <laughs> They're 17th in innings pitch, not even in the top 15. That's interesting. Well, and that speaks to how well the starters have pitched by and large. You know, remember, you know, we talking back in March and – the conversation would have been completely different, right? You would have looked at the season and said, bullpen, we're good, man. We are set. But the starting rotation with all the injuries, you know, we got some questions. And yet here we are. The starters have been really just rock solid to at, at least solid at best fantastic uh, throughout the entirety of this season. And, you know, they're giving them their pitching in, into the sixth inning, it seems like, every day. So that'll keep the bullpen in terms of the, the innings in check in terms of the, uh, the bullpen. And you might say Townsend. Well, where do all the top teams rank when it comes to bullpen innings? You might wonder that. I was wondering that. Townsend, where do all the top teams rank? It's all across the board. Right now, I've got 16 teams that are in it. Okay. There's 16 teams that are, are that in, the, of, in the races. In the race between uh -huh. the wild card. Yeah. And they range anywhere from Tampa Bay's number one in bullpen innings with 660 and you can go all the way to 30th is the Washington Nationals. They're, 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 
they're the fewest in the league. Cleveland, second fewest in the league. So it is really all over the board where these teams rank on how much you're getting out of your bullpen. And Tampa Bay, because they just don't have any starters, really, and they can't go. They're the masters of it. But you've got a lot of bad teams in there, too. So these bullpen innings, I mean, you look at what happened yesterday. Did, did you see what happened yesterday with the, the Nats and the Mets? Yes. That's historic. Yes. Nine runs down. Yes. So you're up six runs in the ninth inning in in in, in what was the first year of the Mets? 62, I think it was? Yes. 1960. When they have been up in their franchise history, in the ninth inning by six runs, they were 806 and zero. <laughs> have never lost a game. That's how bad that game was. Never last happens night. till it happens. And I think the, the the stat was over the last something like five years in Major League Baseball, when teams were up at least six runs heading to the ninth inning, the uh, other teams, the team that was losing was four, and I want to say like 1,132 or something to that effect. I mean, that's how rare it is. And yet, here we are. This is this is the day and age where you blow six run leads. We are heading to Sacramento next, our state capital. The battle will rage on between the Aviators. What are they again? The River Cats. God, we used to be that. I remember. It was very tough when the first transition. Not to say right. You're so used to saying Sacramento on the air, and you, obviously Nashville. Right. Well, that was tough. And when you're working in local TV and you're covering both teams equally, quote unquote, then you really because it's just such. It's so instinctive, and then you got to stop yourself. You got to check yourself. River Cats Aviators. And we got to talk to Fran. Why? Because he's the PCL Manager of the Year, and he joins us next right here on A's Cast Live. Hi, this is Eduardo Perez from ESPN. When I'm in the Bay Area, I make sure I listen to A's Cast Live. How about this number? 659. This is going into yesterday's action. Yeah. 659 different relief pitchers this year in baseball. Again, keeping a lot of guys employed. By the way, who'd you say was number one? You said Tampa Bay was number one? Tampa Bay's number one in bullpen innings. So it occurred to me, you got to asterisk that, right? Because Tampa Bay goes with openers two or three out of every five. So, of course, you know, bullpen innings are eight out of nine when they're using openers, right? Well, technically, I assume those count. Well, what happens is... No, that wouldn't count. The opener wouldn't count for your relief. No, the opener wouldn't, but the other eight innings the would. The bulk guy. Right. He starts it in the – oh, the thing about Tampa, their bulk guy doesn't always come in the second. Sometimes right, sometimes the they'll have they'll, the, they'll yeah. have their They'll have their reliever go two innings, and then the sometimes. bulk guy comes yep, in. Yep, yep, yep. But the point being the starter's only going one or two there, and most other places that's not the case. Yeah, they've committed to it, and it works. And, and, you know, I didn't – for the life of me last year – when this became a thing, I could not understand it. You couldn't could, get your arms I around it? I could not wrap my brain around why this helps. Yeah. And, and, and I finally start to see, you know, in terms of, of you know, go, only going through the lineup once and, and bringing in guys at particular points to face. I, I still think it's weird, but I'm less opposed to it now than I was a year ago. Not that anybody cares what I think. Well, he's the manager of the year, and we want to congratulate him on just a fabulous season as Vegas finished 83-57. and 57. Fran Reardon is with us here once again on A's Cast Live. First off, what an honor for you being the manager of the year. Yeah, you know, it's a, it, it is a pretty special honor, and, uh, you know, a lot of things went into it. We had, a, we had a great roster all year. We had 25 guys, no matter who it was, whether they're – 
guys that are coming down, guys that are coming up in double A, just played hard every day. And we won a lot of games. We had a lot of talent. We had a lot of good character guys. So, you know, a lot of times in the minor leagues, managers get recognized for that. But, you know, at the end of the day, you have to give these uh, give credit for these kind of rewards to the players. And one thing that you should be proud of, because now you know we got a bunch of your guys that are up with us now, and we talked to them about you and the culture down there in Vegas, and they just speak glowing of everything that you're doing with the Las Vegas Aviators. So congratulations on that, because you know it means so much coming from your own players. Well, and that's that's the ultimate praise when when uh, players that you're with on a day in and day out basis have a nice things to say about you. So. I, I certainly appreciate appreciate that more than any award that you could ever receive. Fran, what's it like being a AAA manager heading into the playoffs at this time of the year and knowing that some of your best guys are inevitably going to be plucked to go play at the big league level when it is also the A's most important time of the year? Well, I, I tell you what, it, it's a really exciting time. I'm, I'm standing on the field talking to you guys, watching our guys hit, um, getting ready to throw group two. And uh, it's a beautiful day here in Sacramento, but that's that's part of the gig in AAA, especially when you have a, a really talented big league team that's in a playoff run that uh, they need some of your guys to, to help them with that run. Um, I feel fortunate to be in the position. And I'm, I'm, I'm even happier that a lot of our guys are going to make a big contribution at the big league level. You know, for sure with the front office of the athletics, because David Force, the general manager, has mentioned this to us, that it's always a little extra something to beat Sacramento because obviously the A's used to be the River Cats. Do, do, do you and your staff feel that, that the rivalry between Sacramento and it used to be Nashville, now Las Vegas? Well, yeah, you know, there's there's uh, the, the, the Vapor Age aspect of it, the Oakland-San Francisco aspect of it. We were an affiliate of the, the River Cats here in Sacramento for a lot of years, and um, you know, it, I'm not going to tell you it's going to be that much more special to, to win or to, to compete against these guys because I, I think no matter who who it was, we'd approach it the same way. But at, at the end of the day, there is that little bit of a rivalry, and, uh, you know, the, the, the relationship from from years past for sure. Fran, when guys come up and they have success, or maybe if they come up and they struggle at the big league level, how many of these guys reach out to you in the ensuing weeks, you know, and sort of touch base with you and say, hey, Skip, you see I'm, you know, uh, Seth Brown, hey, you see I'm hitting 430 here at the big league level, or guys just, you know, <laughs> I mean, how, how close a task do you, do you keep on these guys? I, as close as you can keep on them. You know, that's that's the, one of the greatest joys of what we do, not just myself, but the entire staff. We, we take a lot of joy seeing these guys go up, and, Sure, not everybody's going to have the immediate success that a guy like Seth Brown is having, but just to, to keep in contact with them and to, to exchange text messages, and whether it's their first hit, first home run, first big thing that happens in their their major league career, it's a it's a huge part of it, and uh, we have a lot of fun with it. Well, the cool thing is, is that they did leave you still with a lot of good players down there. But I got to ask you about a couple guys, Matt Harvey threw again out of the bullpen, and that's one thing that we've been looking at. The A's could be looking for some bullpen help in September. Who are the guys you think that could come up from your bullpen once you guys are done that can help try and get this team into the postseason? Well, I think Matt Harvey's the, the first guy you have to talk about. I mean, he had three great starts here, and then, um, you know, we, we made the decision as an organization to try to get him some work out of the pen, and he's he's thrown uh, two scoreless innings out of the pen and been fantastic there. Uh, you have a guy like Daniel Mangan who's starting the the – first playoff game here who's had a, a really good year for us and you know has had a lot of success at the big league level so maybe that's an option as well uh, and then your your young buck your your Jesus Lazardo who, who you know 
had some, some nagging stuff injury-wise happen this year, but when he's got out there and performed, he's done so at a high level. So there are three guys right there that uh, you know can, can project to possibly help the Major League team. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Lazardo because there's been so much excitement about him throughout this season in anticipation of when we're going to see him, and, and obviously we may or may not see him here at the big league level before it's all done. But give us an idea of just where the ceiling is for this kid from what you've seen. Well, the feeling is, is greatness. Um, he's got as good a stuff as you could possibly have as a left-handed pitcher or any-handed pitcher for that matter. Um, he's got as good a makeup as you can have, as good a work ethic as you can have. Um, it's just a, a complete package with Jesus, and he's a lot of fun to be around. He's a lot of fun to watch pitch, and it'll be exciting to watch his young man's career flourish. Uh, that's that's greatness. I mean, that's that that you know we we got Bob Melvin who's compared AJ Puck to to Randy Johnson and now you're talking greatness just there's a lot of depth right now of young pitching I mean the future how do you see the future for the A's especially up here in the rotation it's very bright and you have two guys that could be anchors of the rotation for years to come and in Puck and Lazardo um, combined with the guys that are up there having a lot of success you know your Chris Bassett your your Frankie Montas Mike Byers, all the guys that have contributed so much to the, to the A's success this year. And, you know, it, the, the future just looks really bright, and there's a lot of pieces that can come up and really make an impact in the very near future. Well, more importantly, Skip, go get some W's and win the championship. Congratulations on the award. Uh, the award well-deserved, and we'll be following you throughout the playoffs. Hey, guys, your timing is perfect. I, I'm about to throw my group, so you guys oh. you guys nailed it. Perfect. Yeah, I, I knew I'm like second. Tanny's looking at his fake watch. So I, I was like, second group, he's got to go. <laughs> Thanks, Skip. We appreciate it. All right, guys. Have a great one. Uh, of course, the one guy that, if we had time for one more question, would have wanted to ask him, give us the scouting report on Sean Murphy, who's going to make his big league debut tonight. Yeah, I knew when he said he was throwing second group, and I'm like, I'm looking at the time, I'm like, yeah, we probably yeah. got to let him go. <laughs> probably got to let him go. Because even though this is the big leagues and this is A's cast live, uh, he's got a job to do. But it's so important. You know, Bob Melvin talked to us this week on the Bob Melvin Show about the communication that he has with Fran, right? Because Fran. Oh, you have to, right? They got to be on the same page. Every, everything's got to be on the same page. Everybody's got to be pulling on the same rope. Plus, not only does Fran help you with the guys that are coming up, Fran can help you and his staff with the scouting reports on the guys on the other teams that are coming up. Yeah, there's so much that goes into it. And, and you know, the casual fan, and honestly, even the diehard fan probably doesn't stop too often to think about that, that synergy between what goes on at the major league level and what goes on in the minors, particularly at the AAA level. But you're right. I mean, it's, it's, not just, it's not just your guys, it's the other guys. And this time of year, there's so many players who are coming up who are uh, mysteries, right? You know, you haven't seen them yet. September 1st rolls around, and you're getting five, six, seven, eight new guys in the opposite clubhouse, and you certainly want the scouting reports. And who better to give them than your guy at that level? And let's, let's face it. These guys all want to crush Sacramento. It's real. We're not making it up. And this was something David Forrest told me a long time ago because it was one of the first, you know, when we first started doing this and we had the David Forrest show and we were talking about, you know, how do you evaluate AAA right now when there's over 2,000 more home runs being hit? Yeah. How do you evaluate the hitters? And maybe more importantly, how do you evaluate the pitchers? Because so many of the guys down there, 
are, are, are getting lit up. It's the ball. It's juice ball, juice parks. I mean, it's totally offensive. And we just start getting into it, and he goes, oh, yeah, I always, I, I always really pay attention when taking on Sacramento, and we really want to beat the Sac- Sacramento Rivercats. Uh, especially in the PCL, right? I mean, the home run ball's always flying out of the PCL, and this year more than ever. But, you know, that's you got 659 relievers in baseball this year, right, or relief pitchers, so they got to come from somewhere. As of yesterday, there have been 659 different guys who came out of the bullpen. you got to trust your scouts, right? I mean, that's the, that's the big thing. You have got to, to employ you – know, you've got to trust the people in your employment whose job it is to, to diagnose these guys and, and tell you who's legit. You know, when you start seeing guys, you're going, hey, you want to call this guy up, and he's got a 7 ERA. Right, and you see that. But the good thing is is that down there they have StatCast, they have TrackMan, so there's things that you can look at. And then if you actually do throw the ball well and you're in these adverse conditions, that even speaks even more for you. Sorry, I was just thinking about you saying Melvin comparing A.J. to Randy Johnson, the, the, the physical – I, you know, the similarities obvious. Yeah. Why don't you put a little pressure on the kid, right? Well, <laughs> I, you know. Next, Randy Johnson. Go get him. Maybe the, the, the one of the best, most intimidating left-hand pitchers ever to play the game. So Melvin, career-wise, owned Randy Johnson. I think I heard that. And there's the story that, so Melvin, when he's with the D-backs under Bob Brenly, he would supply the stat pack to the starting pitcher. And so I guess he... Got the starting pitcher to start. You know, Randy was all menacing on on the day he pitched. So he gives him the stat pack, and he goes back to to his 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 locker in the clubhouse. And I guess Randy Johnson comes up on Sports Center because it wouldn't have been the MLB Network yet because that wouldn't have been no, around. They're no. just ten years old, right? So when we first got into this business, when you went into the clubhouse, always it was ESPN's on. Sure. Now, whenever you go in, it's, it's MLB. It's MLB. Yeah. So I guess it came up. Top guy's career oh, right. against Randy Johnson. Boom. And Randy sees it, <laughs> and Randy comes storming into the coach's, you know, their office, and he goes, I kept you in the big leagues for all those years. <laughs> so he actually has a good relationship. Where he brought Randy Johnson in. <laughs> he brought Randy in to talk to A.J. Puck. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah, but how about that? That's a little pressure. That's it. He's not no as pressure, right? he's not as tall as Randy Johnson, but yeah, he's he's not short. And he may be one of the guys too that when you think about somebody be, somebody's got to be able to come in and eat some innings out of the bullpen. Somebody does. Somebody's got to be able to go two, potentially three, and that's why we've brought up that comparison of 2008 with David Price when David Price with the Rays right. started taking over a role like that late in the season. As a kid, as an untested kid, right? Throw him into the fire. And they got to the World Series and lost to the Phillies. Can he be that guy? So far he's pumped up and he's been a little bit wild. But if he could be that guy, that left-hander, and because what you'd like to see is you'd like to see him come in with clean innings. I don't want to see him come in with, like, two runners on. Right. I want to see him saying, okay, if Fire's only got you five, Go get have him six come seven. six. And yeah. That's yeah. that's the length. And I know a real key to a bullpen is not having just a bunch of specialists. 
you really need to have a couple guys that can give you innings right now. I guess Blackburn could be that guy for you through the ball, uh, through the ball pretty well down Sacramento. But that's what you if you have just a bunch of specialists or but just a bunch of one inning guys, that can that can you you're seeing that in baseball. It's burning up bullpens. Well, and there, there's two benefits there, potential benefits with regard to the A's. One, it's September, right? So that's a benefit for everybody. You just got more quantity. You've got more arms at your disposal. But the other thing that's that's in terms of the A's specific situation is with Manaya back now. You know, Bob Melvin still hasn't either hasn't decided or hasn't announced what he's going to do with this rotation. But you've got an extra starter. You have the ability, if you so choose, to say, you know. Chris Bassett, you've been great for us. We've still got a void in that seventh, eighth inning. It hasn't been a consistent guy getting it done. We want you in these last three weeks to do what, you know, for instance, Kenta Maeda has been asked to do in Los Angeles. We want you to be that guy and transition to the pen for the last couple of weeks. I don't know if anything like that's going to happen, but the A's do have those options. Don't forget, Liam Hendricks will be signing autographs from 530 to 615 behind Section 120 with the proceeds benefiting strike out bullying. Fans who make a $40 donation will also receive a strikeout bullying T-shirt while supplies last. Are we going to go up there, Commander? Get some T-shirts? Sweet. You got it. You got 80 bucks for us, right? <laughs> Big ball and shot, Colin. Coming up next, it was a historic, and when I mean, I'm not overselling this. It was a historic defeat. It was unbelievable, and one of our old good friends of the program was a big part of it. We head to our nation's capital next right here on A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Did you know A's starting pitchers have gone 13 straight games without taking a loss, going 6-0 and with a 3.59 ERA during that stretch. Starters, Scott Reese from KTVU and the Stanford Cardinal, starters aren't the problem. No, no, they've been fantastic. Uh, and that, again, just underscores if you could just get those guys out in the seventh and eighth innings on a consistent basis, it just underscores where this team would be right now. They could easily be four, five, six up in that wildcard race. At Stanford, you got USC already? Oh, we don't do cupcakes, Townie. First, first, first six Come games. Come on, David Shaw. Where's my Georgia State? Well, so yeah, right. No, this is not the <laughs> SEC, my friend. But look, you, Tennessee. You, so, so first six games of the season, you get Northwestern, who was in the Big Ten championship yeah. game, at SC. At UCF, right, who's, yeah. you know, world beater. The Bulls. Right. Then you come back, you get Oregon, who's the favorite in the Pac-12. Then you one week, quote-unquote, off, you get Oregon State. And then Washington, who's the other favorite in the Pac-12. <laughs> There's your first six. Strap it on, boys. Yeah. It's a big it's a big boy pad game every game. Okay, so let's head to our nation's capital. Last night, something really, really historic happened. The Nats, so the Mets in the top of the ninth inning score five runs okay so they're now up six now what happens when it's late and the home team's coming up to the plate and they're down by six i think we all know right everybody's heading for their cars yeah you got you got you got work the next day you got school yep it's done it's done it's over I mean, you don't think you're coming back? No. Have you ever left a game early that you look back? <laughs> oh, yes, I have. Yes, I have. <laughs> you want it now or you want it after the cut? I know. I want it now. So I, I'm a senior in high school. I'm in Los Angeles, and we're at a Dodgers-Phillies game. 
And it is an eight-run lead for the Dodgers going to the ninth inning. And the Phillies score nine in the ninth. And the traffic to in that win Dodger it. Stadium's right. brutal. Right. I was probably one of the few people who actually was still there because it's L.A. They all left yeah. early. John Cruck hit the three-run homer, who I wound <laughs> up later working with on baseball tonight. Yeah. And I told him that story. I said, it's one game I will never forget. Dodgers were up eight, and the Phillies went for nine in the ninth to win. Commander? So this year, game seven, Western Conference first oh, round. Oh, well, the Sharks. Sharks down. <laughs> yes. I'm getting ready to walk out the building, and Joe Pavelski gets knocked out. I'm like, wait, what happened? I go back and look, and he's laying on the ice with the blood, and I'm like, all right, good thing I didn't leave. I almost walked out watching the greatest comeback I've ever seen by yeah. any team, including the Sharks. I have one. I don't remember who the Padres were playing, but I do remember I was – so I would – at San Jose State, in the summertime, I'd go back and play in a collegiate league, a wood bat league put on by Major League Baseball, and I'd be hanging at the beach. And Padres were, were down. We were, my wife's not listening. We, <laughs> we were going to meet some girls down in Pacific Beach. And even if she was. And, yeah, it was like the seventh thing. I'm like, I don't know about you guys, but I'm out of here. And actually, you know, we're listening on the way down to the beach. The Padres came back, walk off home run. Yeah. I can't believe we left. Well, two hours, two hours later, you didn't you were care. fine with it. Yeah, two hours exactly. later, you didn't care. Exactly. All right, here we go. Ready? <laughs> we're in our nation's capital. The Mets have scored five in the top of the ninth inning. And then Kurt Suzuki, there'd be a big double. And then with two runners on, our old friend, friend of the program, Kurt Suzuki would step to the plate. Here's the set. Three, two, Suzuki, swung on. It deep to left field. Way back. So that's the Nationals call, all right? This, this will be fantastic. That was the Nationals call. Now, I want to know, what do you think? Because the Mets, this is, once again, this is historic. You want to know how historic this is? The Mets, since they were in existence in 19, I believe it's 62. Can someone check that? 1962, I think the Mets came into existence. When the Mets, in all their years, are up six runs in the ninth inning. Their overall record is 806 wins to zero losses. They didn't have Edwin Diaz for most of those years. Okay. And how about the Nats slash Expos? They, in that situation, were zero and 775. <laughs> That's how historic this is. Now, are, are the Mets going to be... Bummed? How, how do you think this call plays out as a play-by-play -play I think it's going to be uh, more shock than anything else. Disbelief. Here is the Mets call. Three and two, the count. Here's the payoff pitch. Swing and a drive. Deep to left field. The Nationals are going to win. A three-run walk-off home run for Kurt Suzuki. Edwin Diaz has just had another epic meltdown. And the Mets have lost maybe their toughest game of the year in a season when Diaz has been in the middle of several. I say that's a very professional call. There were no profanities. That's Gary Cohn? No, Howie Rose. Howie Rose? Howie Rose. Yes. Who was the Nats guy? Charlie Slows. I got to tell you, there's a lot of Homer broadcasts that would have been, oh, no, oh, my God. Oh. Well, and you know he wanted to just drop F-bombs, oh, just start God. chucking things. I mean, because, look, we, you call games, especially I call for Stanford. When you're calling games for your team, it, it 
that just hurts. Uh, and you combine that with the, again, the disbelief. Like, you can't imagine that what just happened actually happened. 806 times they won <laughs> in this scenario. Zero losses. So That is not a small sample size. So here's another one. Washington, the first team to allow five or more runs in the top of the ninth and then get more than that in the bottom of the ninth ever to win by walk-off since 1962, the Red Sox against the Washington Senators. Wow. So. Keep that keep that nugget for me. I'm going to use yeah. that. There, there's one more. The Nats are, were 0 and 7 75 going into the ninth inning, trailing by six runs. I'll make it one in seven there seventy-five. You go. So you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> well, Kurt Suzuki <laughs> walked him off. So just when you think you got you got bullpen problems. Yeah. Whoa, yeah. I <laughs> mean, it, it's it, it really is all over baseball. And you know whose fault it is? It's these executives who think they're getting too cute. They're getting way too cute. You know, the only way they're going to – there's only two ways you're going to survive this, in my opinion. And we got to get to Scott Hatterberg. Okay, there's only two – quickly, there's only two ways to survive this. A, you got to start going back to the old school and getting your pitchers, your starting pitchers, to throw more innings. That's one way to survive, which Isn't, I don't think that's going to happen. That ain't happening. The other way is, is what I've talked about, a positionless staff. Nobody has a title. Starters, closer, you're all just pitchers. And there's going to be some days where I'm going to say, you're going three or four, then you're going three, and it, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's how it goes. So specialists will be gone, and you're going to be required as a pitcher. You're not coming out to face one batter. You're going to have to give me multiple innings, and that's how your staff will be built. Now, if you have a Mariano Rivera, fine. You can keep that guy there. If you got a Verlander, that's great. But a lot of your guys, you know, how about this? You go three, you go three, you go three. That's our nine. Probably not going to happen. I think that is going to happen. Well, first of all, it can happen more in the American League, obviously, than it can in the National League because, you well, know. Well, the National League's going to go to a DH. <laughs> that's all other discussion. Yeah. Um, I, I just, you know, you're talking about, if you're talking about guys who might be asked to pitch one inning one day and five innings the next, uh, you're going to have agents and, and players associations stepping in and saying, oh, no, 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 that's Tommy John surgery waiting to happen. Can't yeah, do but it. think about this. They're going to expand the rosters with the next CBA. Yeah. So you're going to be able to get a couple more pitchers on there. And that changes the dynamic a little bit. And then yeah, you get you get two more guys in that pen, then it, it changes the dynamic. I mean, we're conditioning these guys to go five and dive. Uh, so terrible. if you're going it's terrible. If you're conditioning them to go five and dive, you might as well have them go, give me four quality. Right. And then you give me two and you give me two, you know. It's yeah. just, there could be a time where you're not going to be you're just going to be considered a pitcher. Well, and this is where, again, you go back to the Rays and, and the opener, and, and I thought it was madness. Maybe they're onto something, right? I mean, it, a lot of props to, to that organization for you know, whether you like it, don't like it, whether it works, it doesn't. Having the, the creativity to say maybe there is a better way to do this. Are you ready for me to blow your mind a little bit more, too, yeah. about this? Yeah, bring it on. They want to expand two more teams. Two more teams. <laughs> That's two more pitching staffs. You don't have enough pitchers for 30 teams. How are you going to have enough pitchers for 32? It's funny because I feel like every time they talk about expansion, that's the first thing that comes up. Like, man, the pitching is so bad already in two-thirds of the league, and then you're going to bring in another 22 pitchers. Positionless staffs. <laughs> I want to be quoted on that someday 
when it happens, I want to, hey, you know, on Ace Cast Live, those guys were talking about it. Coming up next, more importantly, from our buffoonery, the hero, <laughs> the man, the walk-off home run, pinch it home run, Scott Hatterberg. We caught up with him earlier today. He was very gracious with his time as Scott was going from one plane to another, so we are able to get him. You're going to hear from him next, the hero from the 20th straight win right here on A's Cast Live. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Watch the left field deep. Bam going back, looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back. Goal for Yelich. Cody Bellinger hits one out. Pete Alonso, he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Juiced balls? Where'd you ever hear that? I'm holding, I'm holding one in my hand. It's like a cue ball. How's it feel? You squishy, <laughs> squishy, or uh, no? <laughs> it's, it's as hard as a rock. Yeah. Are we ready for the great highlight? The A's have walked off game number 18, game number 19, both authored by M- Miguel Tejada, and then Scott Hatterberg would pinch hit and walk off for then an AL record 20 straight wins. Hatterberg has a career home run off Grimsley. He's one for five when they've matched up with each other. This year, Hatterberg in pinch hitting rolls is uh, one for five. 269 average. Has gone deep a dozen times. Now the pitch. Swung on, there's a high drive, hit way back, right center field. That one is gone, and it's 20 consecutive victories for the Oakland Athletics on an unbelievable night when they lost at 11-0 lead, and now they win it. Hedelberg is mobbed at home plate. The crowd comes back to insane life. Crazy, just plain crazy. How do you explain it? In 103 years of American League Baseball, the Athletics have accomplished what no one has before. They have won 20 consecutive games. Amazing. And hard to believe Cleveland broke it. uh, Yeah, right? Right? Right. Still, you still get chills. Unbelievable. It's awesome. So I don't know. Do we want to go to Scott, or is Liam coming over? What do you think is going to happen here, Commander? You are the producer of the show. This is your pro- you're a project manager yeah, of Acecast Live. Liam told me right after batting practice, and oh, he's that, wa- it looks that, like he's walking over. That here. would be now. Let's see. Well, he's he, got to do his signing coming up here at five fifteen. Uh, five thirty, I thought it was. Five fifteen, five thirty, five thirty. I thought it's five thirty. Yeah, but he's got to walk up there, so. Uh, he's gingerly walking towards us. We'll see. Oh, well, he's an all-star now, so he can, you know. That's right. He can just stroll up here. So we were going to play Scott Hatterberg for he, you. He's coming. But Liam Hendricks is going to come. We'll play We'll play, We'll play. play Hatterberg after. Maybe play that great call by Bill Kane. Just play crazy. 
as we will be talking to the all-star Liam Hendricks. And once again, Liam Hendricks will host an autograph signing from 5.30 to 6.15 behind Section 120 with proceeds benefiting strikeout bullying. Fans who make a $40 donation will also receive a strikeout bullying T-shirt while supplies last. And it's been one of his new projects. He's got a lot of projects, but one of his new new projects is this, Stop Cyberbullying. And Liam Hendricks joins us here, the All-Star. And I know this means a lot to you, means a lot to your wife. And we talked about, you know, this event coming up, and it's finally here. Yeah, we're finally getting it done. Uh, yeah, going up there at Section 120. So it's uh, right, pretty much right behind the A's dugout uh, up in the concourse. And, uh, yeah, we're selling the shirts up there. And, uh, if you want, if you don't want a shirt and you want an autograph, we're selling those too. I don't know how many people are going to want that, but it's it's there if they want. <laughs> what are you it. talking about? You're the closer. You're an all star. Yeah, but it's also me, and it's weird. <laughs> you still haven't wrapped your brain around that whole thing? No, I I I don't like to give myself that much credit. I think it's it's better to just remain as uh, an anonymous person and kind of get excited when something cool happens. Well, now we're, we're getting a. a view of the shirt here it's, yeah. it's pretty sweet yes yeah, yeah. So i'm wearing the shirt um we did a boosters club thing for the um a uh, couple of weeks ago where we sold the shirts as well so there's some of those floating around but uh yeah this is a chance that we're actually selling it's the first time that we're selling it other than through the boosters so anybody can come up there and, uh, and purchase the shirt so all proceeds go to stand for the silent which is the organization we're working with which is uh, an organization going into schools and helping to kind of mentor young kids that are going through some bullying issues and just let them know there's an, uh, there's there's light at the end of the tunnel. They can uh, they can go through different avenues to kind of uh, just get over it, and they're not kind of by themselves. There's other people around. They're going through the same things, and we can knit together as a community. And how big is it to have a professional athlete and his wife say, "Hey, we've gone through this, and now we want to help you." Um, I hope it's good. I mean, I I hope it works. I hope uh, kids are listening, and I hope they can uh, get a grasp of the fact that they're not alone. There's other people out there, but. My biggest thing is the organization we wanted to work with, they didn't want just a blank check and all of that. They wanted someone to actually be involved, which is what we wanted to be as well. So that's why we ended up going with Sam for the Silent, and they chose us as well. Like, it was a mutual uh, mutual agreement, and we're pretty excited to work with them. I know a lot of professional athletes have their causes, uh, right, this charity, whatever it may be. But, you know, something like this, it's it, it really strikes personally for a lot of people. It's such a hot-button topic now in today's day and age. Do you get teammates on board i mean have you you know talked to guys in there so you know what I, I, let me let me help you out with that uh there's definitely guys in there that have gone through similar things i think uh, a lot of the time we don't understand the platform we've been given yeah and a lot of guys are like well who's going to want to listen to this who's going to want to go ahead and do something that i'm doing it's just the more we realize the fact that there are people that we can influence and if we can influence them in the right direction and the right way for the right cause it's huge so there's definitely got I've, everyone in there has their own shirt they've all got it in there and uh, some guys have worn it, some guys have posted about it and uh, anything anything in there helps so uh, at the end of the day we're just trying to make as much of a difference as we can while i've got a while i've got the platform that i have you know when we were kids we didn't have computers we didn't have cell phones we didn't have twitter accounts instagram you didn't have electricity did you? yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, wow running water uh, <laughs> i mean the reality is it's changed it's just not the big bully taking your lunch money anymore it's it's anybody can bully you and the way people can reach you through all these through all of social media how do you help people change their social media habits to help them from stopping bullying uh, well, I mean, as you said, back in, back when my wife and I were in school, we could go home. We could go home. It kind of shut off. There wasn't that issue of 
constantly being around these days with the social media aspect everybody's online and everybody's lives are everywhere and it's extremely hard to get away from it because if you're just trying to like I mean if you're bored you generally go on social media you just kind of hang out and see what see what's going on in the world and I mean if you're getting bullied through that it's it's a tough it's a tough task to get over it but uh, our biggest thing is just knowing that there's other people around there that go to go through it and there's other there's other avenues where they can reach out and be like hey today's a tough day is there any way we can just like just can I call you can we just talk or can we just text or can we meet up somewhere and just hang out or tomorrow at school can we just go in there and hang out a little bit it's just it's knowing that there's that other avenue out there that you don't have to sit there and dwell on it and think that everything is always out to get you it's knowing that there are other people going through similar circumstances and they're going to be there to help like just put a get a shoulder out there so you can lean on it a little bit and just take that all the onus and take all the pressure off of yourself have you had any experiences yet where kids who you have helped in this regard that you have affected their lives in a positive way and, and come back to you and said man you know I, the, the message was so huge for me and I, I imagine that's got to be pretty gratifying yeah I've had a couple te- like I had a, so I posted a couple things where I had gotten some uh, some rather colorful languaged messages after uh, either a just a bad outing or anything like that so I kind of posted those online and and talking with Trevor Bauer who um, who is kind of my sounding board on a lot of this stuff just going through him and being like hey what do I do? I don't want to go. I want to do this the right way. What are ways that I can do it? So I've been using him, his media company as well, and we've been going through and just kind of. There's been a couple of times I've put the uh, the people on blast for sending out just crude messages, and a lot of time I've been getting a lot of messages back, especially from kids actually saying, "Hey, like thank you for reaching out. Like I, it's nice knowing that it's not only me going through this. It's like I can't believe someone would give it to you who's a professional athlete who's doing well. Like I can't believe someone would go that way. It makes not it easier, but it's it's like I, I it's nice knowing that someone else out there going through something similar. That's yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah, I mean we all go through it. Anybody who's in the public eye and you have a Twitter account or you you're get Instagram, blasted. sure, it happens all the time, and you get threats and threats against your family, and it's it's just sickening all the keyboard tough guys out there yeah, that keyboard warriors. Yeah, and, exactly. And, and, and a lot of times too. Their accounts don't have real names. You you don't know who they are, and it's just it really is the world we live in. Unfortunately, it is. I mean, uh, everyone's tougher behind a screen, and that's what it is. I mean, uh, I think Taylor Swift said it best. You say it, uh, say it in the street, it's a knockout. You say it in a tweet, it's a cop out. If you don't know that song. <laughs> I'm a big T-Swizzle fan, in case anybody doesn't realize. <laughs> oh, hey, don't worry. I've, 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 I've got twin girls that are 13. There I've, you go. I, 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 I have paid the price for T-Swizzle <laughs> multiple times. Yeah, uh-huh. so, I mean, it's just there's a lot of awareness out there for now, and the more avenues we can get to realize the fact that there is there is uh, people out there who can you can talk to, who you can lean on, who are going to have that advice and just set up a program where kids don't feel alone where they don't feel like there's no other way out they can reach out to people and just just talk it out and just make it a little bit easier for them we know we could talk to you all day always but you've got to go yeah i gotta be up there shortly i think my wife's gonna meet me in the tunnel in about 10 minutes so i better not keep her waiting you know what i say all the time you're a terrific pitcher but you're a better human being and the fact that you're a guy that wants to make this world better while you're here is really, really special, and something like that, you cannot be committed enough. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. As do we. As do we. Enjoy Thanks. the event, my friend. And you know what? You are the closer, and you're an all-star. <laughs> all right? That's who you are. 
At the end of the day, I'm hoping for three outs, whatever inning it is, it is. <laughs> well, sometimes it's five well, outs. Hey, get them tonight. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. Hey, Liam, uh, can you pitch the whole game? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, I tried that. didn't work out well. <laughs> yeah, I knew that was coming, that. right, yeah. <laughs> hey, go enjoy the event. Good luck. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Thanks, appreciate it. Uh, All right. Great Liam Hendricks. Okay, coming up next, we are going to now be able to play for you Scott Hatterberg's and we caught up with him earlier, the hero of the 20th straight win. He'll be coming up next right here on A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Earlier today, we caught up with Scott Hatterberg, very gracious with his time. In between flights, he came on to talk about one of the most special moments of his career. Joining us here on A's Cast Live as we are celebrating the 17th anniversary of the 20-game winning streak for the Oakland Athletics, which at the time was an American League record. And the big hero, Scott Hatterberg, joins us here on A's Cast Live. Scott, how are you? I'm great, Chris. I can't believe 17 years, man. I am getting old. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? Yeah, I was thinking about them. I'm like, that, yeah. that really was 17 years ago? My God. I know. It, it, gosh, yeah. Okay, let's just forget the 17 part. Let's just say, uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> that was a great time. What? Well, you just think about what a special moment that was in that game against Kansas City. It was a wild game. You have a lead. You give it up. And then just take us through what it was like for you. You come out as a pinch hitter, and you hit the biggest home run of your life. Well, it was, you know, it was kind of a slow burn the way the whole thing went. I mean, it almost took, you know, the entirety of a month to build. So you were building this thing, and then we get out to this huge lead, uh, you know, 11 nothing, and we had Tim Hudson on the hill. I mean, it all looked like uh, it was going to line up to be just a, you know, a nice, uh, easy party. And it, uh, just, it just slowly slipped away, which was the absolute worst. And at the time, I wasn't playing, so, you know, I was kind of on cruise control. Next thing I know, I'm in the cage trying to figure out what clothes I'm going to have to face. Uh, you know, hitting the ball out was the last thing on my mind. But, my goodness, uh, to, to cap off that whole streak, that whole run with all those guys, it was unbelievable, unbelievable throw. Uh, and it, it, it was just big home run and big hit after big hit. Uh, you know, and, and all your teammates, Miguel Tejada, it seemed like there was a different hero all the time. What was it like just to be a part of something where for 20 straight games, you felt like every single time you showed up to the yard, it was win day? It really did. I mean, that's what it felt like. It felt like we were going to find a way. And there were times, there was a lot of drama, especially towards the end there, where we were behind. Uh, we were behind a lot. We were very comfortable in close games or even playing from behind. Uh, so there's that inner confidence that I think just winning breeds. And plus, it was, you know, a talented young group that just didn't know any better. So me being an older veteran guy, God, it was contagious. Uh, so a lot, lot of similarities in some ways to the team now. So they win a lot of one-run games, and I think you do something like that, you got to be comfortable in those situations, and we were. And I think what's crazy, too, is you had three straight walk-offs. You had win yeah. number 18 and 19 was Miguel Tejada, and then your number 20. I mean, to think that's that's how you capped it off was walk-off hits, that that just adds to the drama. Oh, sure. I mean, uh, there's, there's nothing like seeing that stadium completely packed at that time. I, you know, to have it that back and then have it be so dramatic, it was, it was so loud. It was just, it was unbelievable. But there was, there was, like you said, there was a new guy every night. But, uh, man, we didn't make it look easy, though. I know that's for sure. 
Yeah, and just, you know, what a special group that was. When you think about Barry Zito would go on to win the Cy Young Award, Miggy would win the MVP. You guys had a very tight-knit special group that season. Talk about what it was like in that clubhouse. It was, you know, like I said, I was a, I was an older guy, and these were young, up-and-coming stars. And I, I, I knew the talent, but I knew more than that. It was like a fraternity. These guys... Once the game left, I'd been on a lot of teams where, you know, the final out is made and it's 25 different limos. That just wasn't the case. We were like, what room are you going to be in? And we'd all, I mean, we hung out. These guys hung out. They were friends. Uh, so it, it went beyond the baseball field, and I think it translated to what happened on the field. Uh, this, this team pulled for each other. They believed in one another. Uh, it was fun playing. I mean, it really, really was fun. And that could be hard to say at times in the big leagues, but it truly was and it made it awesome. Well, it was so special. They they did a best-selling book about it, and then an Oscar-nominated movie, Moneyball, the book and the movie, and you're definitely, you were a part of it. What was that like to go to the movie theater, and you're like, Scott Hadbury, I'm, I'm a big part of this movie and this book. <laughs> yeah, well, that would be, that's still beyond surreal. I mean, uh, I remember the day, I spoke to Michael Lewis, the guy who wrote the book, for months. Uh, he told me he was writing a book. And at the time, we weren't getting a whole lot of fans. We just worked the A's of, uh, you know, that we ended up becoming. So I thought, my gosh, this doesn't seem like a, a very lucrative idea. But I stuck with him and, you know, ended up finding out this guy's a genius. And uh, he wrote some cool, interesting things. I learned a lot more about what Billy Bean's plan was and kind of a uh, pioneering aspect of the game he was bringing. Um, and next thing you know, Brad Pitt's calling you and saying, hey, we want you in this stupid movie. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> it was such a whirlwind. Uh, and out of left field that uh, I still pinch myself, but what a thrill to be a part of. Brad Pitt's giving you a call? Yeah. <laughs> yeah I had him and Soderbergh calling me daily. Uh, it was crazy. But, uh, yeah, no, it was I mean, I still don't. I still can't figure that one out. I kept their numbers though. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, how much? How much of the book and how much of the movie are actually accurate when it comes to you? Well, I, you know, for me, it, a lot of it was pretty accurate. I mean, um, you know, there was it was it was hard adjusting to first base. There was a lot of doubts to that. Uh, you know, the biggest part of it, I, you know, the takeaway that I didn't like. Uh, would be just the way Art Howe is portrayed. We really liked Art. Um, I, I don't think it's quite as volatile, but it is a Hollywood movie, so you kind of have to have some kind of villain or uh, you know something of that nature. So that was too bad for Art because we loved him. But but for the most part, we didn't pay for a coke. We got free coke. We didn't have much else, but uh, we did have free coke. <laughs> so other than that, it was pretty real. Scott, I know you got to catch a flight. We really appreciate yeah. appreciate you doing this uh, from the airport, and we'll see you back here in Oakland. And uh, it's always fun to look back at one of the great moments in A's history. Absolutely. Uh, sorry I didn't have more time, Chris, but uh, have fun watching this club because they're pretty exciting too. Scott Hatterberg and a man who was also a part of the call, the great Ray Fossey. <laughs> And he joins us here, the face of the franchise, two-time. Hey, you got to hurry up. You got Mark Langston. World Series champion. Past all this Two-time All-Star. Two-time Gold Glover. That's right. That's right. Rawlings Gold Glove winner. That's right. Rawlings. Got to say Rawlings because they're the, the, the sponsor. Got to get the sponsor. That's right. You got to do that. Yeah. Man. Nobody talks about That's why Jim Hughes, a great pitcher, he said there are only two guys that ever talk about the Gold Glove being a Rawlings Gold Glove, Dwayne Kuyper and me. <laughs> got to say it, man. I use Rawlings catchers, man. Anyway, hey, Clay, this is the greatest ground crew right here. The best there is, Clay Wood. Well, he's the greatest groundskeeper. His time's and he's gotta, coming. He's got to deal with football because yeah. of you. 
Yeah. It, it, hey. Because of you. His time's coming. Because of you. After the first Raider game, we always bring him on yeah. to talk about it. It's his time. So, win number 18, win number 19, yeah. win number 20. They were all walk-offs. Yeah. What was that like? I thought it was great because of the way uh, Miguel Tejada won the first two. Yeah. Uh, and, and doing it with the drawn-in infield, five infielders in one, hit, a, I think, a home run in the other. But, uh, no, it, it was exciting. And uh, Langer. See, five thirty. Mark Langston. I told you he's going to be <laughs> he's here. He's early. No. How are we doing, buddy? This is the greatest left-hander. High leg kick. Anyway, he's uh, great. He's the greatest San Jose State Spartan baseball player. Next to you. That's what you eh. told me before he walked up. That you were number eh. one. He was number two. Eh. No, the the twentieth probably. And I'm going to hurry up because you want to have Mark Langston on here. That's the most important thing. What time? Five thirty. No, <laughs> uh, but the 20th win, probably the most improbable win because Tim Hudson on the mound, an 11 to nothing lead with Tim Hudson on the mound. Yeah. And you figure it's over. And even Billy Bean, who never watched a game, came back because it was 11 to nothing. And next thing you know, it's 11 to 11. The thing about the game, and of course, you had Scott Hatterberg on who hit the, the memorable home run and, you know, dropping the 20 down after he hit the home run. But. Billy Koch gave up the tying run. Luis Alisea got a base hit to drive in the tying run. Alisea moved up to second base on the throat of the plate, I think it was. Alisea got picked off at second with two outs hmm. in the ninth inning. What are you doing? You're in scoring position. <laughs> Billy Koch just blew the save, and he got picked off at second base. And then Hatterberg comes up and hits the home run. So you talk about everything working that way, but um, – but I worked with the late Bill King on radio that game, and uh, a lot of fun. I remember telling, telling Bill, I said, uh, you know, normally it's like, hey, I'm on the air here. You want to come on the air with me? <laughs> okay, man. <laughs> uh, but, um, but I told Bill because I did uh, innings three, four, and seven. And after I did seven and it tied it up, I said, I'm finished. I said, I'm not going to have the call. And, of course, it was Bill King with the great call with Scott Hatterberg hitting the home run. But, but you know, it was – it was. I mean, you going back, uh, there were games that I figured it was over. I remember in Detroit, A's were down something like 7-1, 7 nothing late in the game. John Mabry probably was the most important player for the A's during that period of time. He got more hits to win games Clutch. than anybody. Yep. It was unbelievable to see as well. And he was kind of a throw-in in the movie. It's like, who, give me whoever you want to. John Mabry was the guy. And he came in, and he was so great. He was great in the clubhouse. He was great on the bench. He was a great hitter. And in the game in Detroit, I think it was Mabry who hit the grapper in right center, drove in three, and all of a sudden the A's came back and won the game. And I figured that was the game that was going to end. It didn't end because of John Mabry. But uh, uh, it, was, it was a special run. But you know what's proof about if you win 20 in a row, you lose in the first round of the playoffs because the Indians won 22 in a row and they lost the first round of the playoffs as well. So be careful. <laughs> be careful <laughs> what, what you, you do. Yeah, right. You know, you win all these games. And the Angels, during that same period of time, the Angels were neck and neck. I mean, you win 20 in a row, you figure you're going to run away with the division. Yeah. <laughs> Angels were neck and neck. What was it, like 17 and 20 or 18 or 20? I mean, it's an unbelievable run. <laughs> you can say it, Mark. I'll just repeat it. You'll have it, you'll have it on a couple of minutes. Look, I'm not part of this question. conversation. I no, but uh, but no, it was uh, 
It was an improbable run. It, it was pretty special. It, pretty special. We heard in the last hour the calls from both the Nationals and the yeah, Mets from yeah. last night, sure. and, and the Mets blow up. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, what what is it like being in the booth when something like that unfolds? I mean, you know, the, the walk off for one thing, but the eleven nothing part of it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you you just it's the the. On one side, it's utter disbelief, and you want to throw things and start swearing. And on the other side, you're like, you feel charmed. I mean, what's it like calling that? I I think it was just one of those things that was meant to be. It's meant to be for Scott Hatterberg to pick up somebody's bat. And if Scott Hatterberg is a good player, I mean, but he he was a catcher, blew out his arm. I mean, the part of the movie where he couldn't throw was true. Yeah. And they made him a first baseman. And uh, I think Wash's statement was great. Anybody can play first base. And Wash says, no breaking way. <laughs> it's <laughs> incredibly know, hard. That's right. Yeah. In so many words, he said that. But, uh, but you know, it, it was just one of those things. Uh, Ross, uh, Jason Grimsley. It was Jason Grimsley, I think it was, he yes, gave up yeah. the home run, you know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so many things happened. But, you know, I, I'll say this. I, I was not part of the movie in the movie, but being a part of the 20-game win streak. That's why when I was asked to be in the movie, I said, I don't want to be scripted because I saw it. You know, and they would have told me things to say that were not part of, you know, being a part of the 20-game win streak. But the interesting thing in game 19, our daughter Nikki was here, and my wife had come upstairs. And when Tahada got the game-winning hit, number 19 goes up, Nikki's down below cheering. So she's in the movie. 30 seconds later, (laughs) you hear my voice when Billy's driving to Visalia, and I simply said, if you're not at this game, you're really missing something. The 11 to nothing, Billy turns around and comes back. So within 30 seconds, Nikki was in it, I was in it, and that was it. And Billy comes back and it's 11 to 11. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but it's, it, it was a great run. And, and I'm happy for Scott Hatterberg. You know, and, and the movie, everything was great. Uh, it, it's just that whenever we went to the premiere, my wife says, don't you say one word. Because, you know, and I asked Billy after. I said, what are you thinking? He said, yeah, you know. 50, 60%, because there were a lot of things in it. Art Howe was the most, yeah. the best in-shape manager I've ever seen. And then he got, unfortunately, somebody playing him who was not in great shape. But the great Mark Langston's here getting ready to go on uh, with you, and he's got to yeah, work yeah. because he's, he's, with, uh, he's, he's with the Angels. He's got to get upstairs and work. So let's – But you know what? I'll say this about Mark Langston. Mark Langston didn't like it when I said a catcher should tell him what to throw. Oh, I bet he did. (laughs) (laughs) And then I said, got to (laughs) go. No, he was a great pitcher. Thank you, Fossey. Hey. What? I said, thank you. What did you call me? Ray Fossey. No, you said Fossey. Fossey. No. Ray Fossey. My name is Ray. Raymond Fossey? No, just Ray. We're on on a first-name basis. (laughs) Turn it over to the great Mark Langston. The face of the franchise, Ray Fossey. How about this? Going from Ray Fossey, all-star to all-star. Right. We got a battery. Are you kidding me? Yeah, a little bit of a different era. Yeah. The great Mark Langston from Santa Clara and one of the great San Jose State Spartans. I'd say he's the best San Jose State Spartan baseball player of all time in the Hall of Fame. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Uh, we're doing well. As You know, last time we talked, weren't so sure about this ball club, but uh, – like Oakland does, seems like every single year the A's are good, they start making that run. It seems like in June something grows, starts to pop up from the ground, and here come the A's. It's happening year after year. Just when they look like they're going to be that team that treads water once again, boy, something happens. They click. They start believing in it. And you know how powerful that is. Once you start believing in what you're capable of doing, and you're doing it on a nightly basis, that just happens over and over and over that they think they're going to win every night that they step out on the field. You know, 
clearly nobody wants to be a spoiler in September, but I'm sure you guys have been uh, more than aware of the schedule you got coming up and all these teams. The Angels can have a, a real big impact on, on what goes down in October. No question about it. It's not where you want to be. It's, it's certainly a situation you'd rather be on the other side. Yeah. Uh, but this is where the Angels are. This is where the season has turned out for them. So they, they can. They, everybody, they t- we only play one more series, and that's coming up after this, of teams under 500 that mm. aren't playing for something. And certainly uh, the Angels could make it difficult. And you look at this lineup, at night in, night out, I write those names down every night, and you go, wow, this is a really powerful lineup. The pitching is young. It's, we have a lot of young pitchers in this rotation. That's been kind of the hiccup for the Angels here. They're trying to fill out, uh, get to the end of the season. A lot of guys that they were counting on really uh, haven't performed, so they're going with a lot of the young guys now. And that's the thing that I respect about the Angels is that Artie Moreno, they're always going for it, right? He ran into injuries and some issues with the staff, but the thing, they're spending money. They're not going to go into rebuild mode. They're, they're going to try and win. And, and like Billy Bean with the A's, they're never going into rebuild mode. It's always going to be trying to win. Certainly. That's the Angels' philosophy. That's Artie Moreno, the owner's philosophy. He said, I will never do a rebuild. I, I feel like I owe it to the fan base to make sure we're competitive year in and year out. Uh, and it just it hasn't happened it's since 2014. We have the best player in the game of baseball. Trout's going to probably win another MVP, and they're not going to make the postseason once again. So that is is something that's hard pill to swallow because there is some very talented guys on this team uh, to not even be in the hunt for the wild card race is is kind of tough so i think there's going to be some retooling no question in the offseason for this team they know what the priority is they know they have to go out and get pitching and they're going to spend probably a lot of money to try to to bolster the staff and fix that bullpen a little bit uh, and it could be a completely different team than you see what out here today you mentioned Mike Trout, and I'm sure you're asked this five times a day, but what is it like watching this guy who is a generational talent, without question the best player in baseball maybe in the last 20, 25 years, day in and day out do what he does? I always tell people, close your eyes and put picture in your mind whatever superstar, what do you think superstar means to you? And hopefully Mike Trout's face pops up because that's what the, he does. He, he does so many things not only on the field, but off the field. We get to see behind the scenes stuff, what he's what he does, how he treats the kids that all come up and how special that is, uh, that moment that here's Mike Trout, you know, taking a photo with him or signing an autograph. He does all the little things. Torrey Hunter has a big part in that. When Mike Trout's rookie year, Torrey Hunter is the guy that took him under his wing and schooled him, said how important those little things. That you're going to do what you're going to do out on the field. But you have to have these little intangibles. And Torrey Hunter was big on pressing those into Mike Trout and, and making sure that he took times, took time for the, the fans and the people around. Shohei Otani, if it was me, his bat has to be in the lineup every single day. And I know next year he's starting to throw again. He's going to be back. I, I think he, he can be a guy that pitches and hits in the All-Star game and does home run derby. It'd be amazing. But maybe he doesn't hit on the days he pitches. But I don't know how you keep his bat out of the lineup. Doesn't he? He needs to get a lot of at bats. He certainly does, and and I'm still blown away because it's hard enough to do one element, and just to be <laughs> yeah, a right. pitcher is hard. It's really hard. Your preparation. There's so much work that goes into that to prepare for a start. He's wearing two different hats. He does that, and then he's got to flip. And there's so much preparation that's involved on the hitting side, on the offensive side, that you have to be on top of. I was blown away what I saw last year from this guy, that he was able to uh, 
uh, be able to do those two things, and, and that's not easy to do. I, I'm with you. His bat, he's proven. That's the one area I didn't think. I thought he would struggle in offensively. The pitching is so good here at the major league level. Uh, I thought that would be where the struggle is, and he's proven everybody wrong that he can hit at the major league level, not only hit, but really hit and produce and be a fixture in the lineup, a guy that's protecting Mike Trout for most of the season. So uh, he, he's an offensive guy that can do so many things, and he, he's just learning. He, he's still so young as far from that aspect. He's learning the bases. He's got that incredible speed uh, next to Trout. I, we're not even sure. We, we're still trying to get the match race with Trout and, <laughs> and Otani. Trying to get that over into Vegas to see, you know, yeah. we could get that uh, pay-per-view deal to see those two guys. Uh, but he's he's really quick, and he's learning on the bases now, how to be more aggressive on the bases, utilize that speed, that element that he has uh, that you just can't teach. He has that. Every time he hits a ground ball, I love the fact he puts his head down, much like Mike Trout. That's, that's the thing. I'm an old-school guy. I, I'm a firm believer. I played at the big league level. I saw George Brett and Robin Yount. These guys would hit Cal Ripken. One hoppers back to the pitcher. They put their head down, and they run as hard as they can hmm. down to first base. I love that stuff. Trout never shortchanges anything. I've never seen him pop the chute in the batter's box on a routine ground ball to short. Never, ever, ever. I've never seen Shohei do the same thing. So he's, he's learning that and sees that. And, and a lot of guys don't really understand how quick he really is because you'll see the routine ground balls, second baseman will field it, come up and go, oh, my gosh, he's almost there, and have to really rush the throw. And we've seen some errors because of that. So Otani's he's, his ceiling is high. We, we talk about rotation and pieces. He is a front-end number one ace guy in your rotation. So the Angels will hopefully get that Shohei back, still to be determined where he's going to come back from the Tommy John surgery. But if he is that guy, uh, he, he's definitely going to be an ace of a staff if they are able to add a couple, another ace or two in this rotation. It could get deep really fast because you do feel like the offense is there. I'm with you. I think his bat needs to be in the lineup. Certainly the day he pitches, that's not going to happen. And the day after, I don't see that happening because that, as a, as a former pitcher, I know how your body feels the day after you throw. There's a lot of aches and pains that are, that are in there. The day before, which he didn't hit the day before last season, that's one that he might be able to. But, again, we're talking about preparation. If you want him to pitch the next day, there's still that element that he's got to sit, study hitters, understand what he wants to do from a game planning. It's such a fascinating case study, It's right? Babe Ruth. You know, I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's yeah. really incredible. But it's Babe Ruth doing them at the same time. And we're seeing a few more guys who are position players slash pitchers, but nobody right. with the pedigree sure. on both sides of the coin that this guy has. Yeah, there's I have never seen it. And, again, he came over here with all the hype, and you're like going, all right, yeah. all right. Yeah. <laughs> Pitching side, I always thought he'd be okay because stuff plays. You know, when you throw yeah. 100 and you got a great split, right. you trust that that is going to still carry over to this side. Offensively, I, I just didn't think that would happen. You know, I really thought he struggles would, would really come from the offensive side. And, again, he proves everybody wrong on a daily basis. He, he has been a proven bat to hit third in a lineup here. And, and we you got Albert Pools, first ballot Hall of Famer, Justin Upton. Sure. So you, we've got some, some guys in there, and he's been able to slot right in there and hold his own easily. How he, come you weren't in the lineup with those off days when you weren't pitching? Yeah, well, you know, I, I, believe me, I loved it. I, I wish I, you know, spent more time in the National League. I spent just a sprinkling here and there in the National League, and I loved every aspect of stepping I bet, into I bet. Uh And I was actually talking with Cole Calhoun about it. I said, you know, back when I played the National League, 
for some reason, and I think it's the day that you pitch, your focus is heightened. You, you are just so more alert. Every time I step in the batter's box, I could see the baseball really well. I felt like I'm not overmatched. I can see it. That's interesting. Now when it comes to trying to make contact, a little different story. <laughs> but visually, I felt pretty good. I didn't yeah. feel like, wow, this is, you know, buckling and trying to get out of the way. I felt like, you know, I, I could at least see the baseball and feel pretty good about that aspect. Well, we know you got to go do a game, so let's end on this. How are we going to fix pitching? Because right now it's broken. Because bullpen ERAs are out of control. You know, they thought going more bullpen was the answer. You know, third time through a lineup, can't have starters doing that. Well, it's now burned out bullpens. What is the answer to get back on track here? Yeah, we're, we're definitely seeing it with the Angels. The Angels have been heavy on that. They've had the openers. They've had a lot of things to where they – have gone to the whip. And the, the bullpen was a strength for this team at the first half of the season. It's been used heavily. So it's you can see some of the effects here as you get into the dog days of the season, uh, how it's affected that bullpen. Uh, to me, I, it goes back to your minor league level. You have to start teaching these guys at the minor league level. Okay, if you don't think they can get through the third time through the line, why can you not teach them to get through the third time through the line? Why can we not let those guys extend? That's what they did with us. That's part of the learning process. We always went deep in our games no matter what anyway, but in the minor league level, I had a member, I had a coach that came out to me in the sixth inning in double A, had guys on base, we had a lead, and he goes, I don't even see you get through this inning, let alone pitching into the next inning. And the veins in my neck popped out, and I went, I can't wait to show this guy. <laughs> Next thing you know, I finished the game, and we were shaking hands. He went to shake my hand, and I just walked right by him and spit at him. I went, you know, leave me alone. I was ready to F you. You know, it's like I was, uh, was going to show him. But then he tells me asked after I got to the big you know what I was doing? I go, I didn't recognize it at the time. It worked. But that's what he was saying. Right. He was saying, can I – push jump my game up to the next level if i needed to and that's to me that's that is all done at the minor league level they got to do that down there you you got to start pushing these guys and teach them teach them how to work a lineup save some of your bullets you don't have to come out and throw everything and that's what a lot of these guys are doing if you want them to throw 100 pitches they got to be able to throw 120 because that 100 pitch when they hit that 100 pitch mark their stuff will still carry when you get to that 100 pitch mark now your stuff's dropping off at 80 pitches so everybody's going, oh, they can't pitch past 100 pitches. Well, if you want them to get to 100, you've got to be able to push them to 120, and all of a sudden that pushes that floor up to a level to where this stuff should still play at 100 pitches. The all-star Mark Langston, he wasn't five and dive. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> our, our motto, too, was a Little League game, six innings. If you can't go six, you know, <laughs> you shouldn't be out here. Hey, you are the best. You are. No. We always appreciate you coming down and uh, stopping by the show. And as, uh, as I say, the greatest San Jose State Spartan baseball player of all time. No, no, no. This is always fun. I always love our chats. Uh, and usually we get to sprinkle a little more San Jose State into this, but uh, uh, we'll have to wait until the next time. You know, it just occurred to me. I did this show three weeks ago with Roxy from Cal, and you have Jeff Blum on from Cal. And yeah. now I'm here with you. At, he's, a right. he's a Stanford I feel guy. Like, what the heck? This, this seems a little premeditated. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> so we're cornering you. <laughs> All right. We always appreciate it. You know, I know you got a roll, and we'll get into a little buying or selling next right here on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live continues from Ricky Henderson Field. Here's Chris Townsend. Oh, that's my guy, Mark Langston. Scott Reese with us here on A's Cast Live. When, when are we getting Piscotti on? By the way, he was also a uh, big-time soccer player back in the day. He was oh, a okay. terrific athlete, yeah. 
Down, he was like known as Mr. Baseball, Mr. Soccer down in Santa Clara County. I don't doubt it. Good athlete. Well, where is Piscotti, Commander Cody? Where's, 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 where's We've had him on before. There's enough Stanford guys lingering around this. Uh, well, he's know. on the he's on what they call the injured well, list right now. I know we right can't now. do it today. So there's a lot of Cal. General. I will admit, there's a little too much Cal for me there's, around there's here. There's a lot of Cal around here. I'm never a big fan of I mean, I'm <laughs> Stanford. As a Cal alum, I, I, can, I understand it. As, as a what? A Cal alum. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> right, California University, the California University. Of and don't even get me, don't even get me started on SC. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we got SC over here. There's a lot of college rivalries going on in this good, program. Good U- University of spoiled children. All right, let's uh, let's, <laughs> let's go to buying or selling. It's time for buying or selling. Sell, sell. Right now with Chris Townsend on A's Cast Live. What do you got? Well, we already we already discussed the Nationals Mets game, but we're gonna get back into it for a second here. As we as you know, the the Nationals had their largest ninth inning comeback ever in franchise history, which goes back to 1969 when they scored six runs in the bottom of the ninth inning. Old friend Kurt Suzuki with the walk off uh, oh. off of uh, the probably the worst reliever in baseball, Zook. Edwin Diaz. The Nationals currently hold the top wild card spot, three and a half games ahead of the Chicago Cubs. The Nats have been the best team in baseball since my research goes back on May 24th. They're 59 and 28. The Nats are also the first team in national in the National League since 1969. Houston Astros have three pitchers with 200 strikeouts: Scherzer, Patrick Corbin, and Steven Strasburg. Juan Soto is making Bryce Harper look like an afterthought. Buying or selling the Washington Nationals will make it out of the first round of the playoffs. Buying. Buying that the Nationals are the biggest threat to the Dodgers. Sell. You still going Braves? Go going Braves. The Nat, the Nationals are hot, even though they've blown as many saves as the A's. It's crazy oh, that the A's. You don't want to pile on our old boy Sean Doolittle, though. He's on the I.L. He's, he's on the I.L. Yeah, he's <laughs> on the I.L. No, but, but talking about blowing saves earlier in the oh, year. Oh, their whole their bullpen has been uh, but uh, it's been, But it's been great since... Since they, they had Fernando Rodney and, and, and uh, Hunter Strickland. Yeah, and, and all the guys at the they, deadline, they, yeah. They brought in all those eighth inning guys, yeah. right? So and funny that Strickland pitches on the team that Bryce Harper is well, for. You, of course, yeah. Um, yeah, you know what? I, I buy it, too, because I think that they are that good, that talented, that deep. The bullpen does it for me. Like, that that was a – they had to address that, and they did. I mean, you talk about the three starters that's, you know, you, you've – Three, three lockdown starters like that, that's going to win you playoff series. Um, but the pressure on the Nationals is the one thing. I mean, because the playoff history is so bad, you know, and they've been favored so many times and haven't been able to, to get over that hump. Until they do, it's there. And I don't care if, they, you know, the, the names and faces may be different, a lot of them, but still, it, it remains in the organization. I'm buying it because I think they're good enough to win that first-round series, but there's still going to be a lot of psychology at play. No, I decided this. And how about this? They're starting to get a little magic behind them. Well, last, last night, was, night is uh, last that, night was magic, well, right? You, you, you start got, getting that magic behind you, you start to believe. You got that. They were doing the Simba pose from Lion King in the dugout, and you have Gerardo Parra, right? Doing the, the shark baby thing. Shark. That's 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 so, that's what's going to put them over yeah, the top. That, by the way, when I thought of first round, we consider the wild card game the first round. So technically, if they win the wild card game, they get out of the first round of the playoffs. I guess that's true. Uh, so no, we were, <laughs> we're talking about a real series. In, in, we were talking NLDS. Yeah, we're talking about a series. So we, I mentioned Juan Soto to Varian. Juan Soto hit another moonshot home run last night. That is now his 32nd home run. And he is 54 before he turns the age of 21, which is until next month. Mel Ott has the record of 61 home runs before turning the age of 21. Bryce Harper only had 44 before he turned the age of 21. 
Buying or selling Juan Soto will break Mel Ott's record for most, most home runs before turning 21. He needs six to tie, seven. seven to tie, eight seven to break. Selling. The great Mel Ott will live on, <laughs> the former New York Giant. Yeah, I'm selling too, uh, especially, and I don't know how many series they have left with the, the, the contenders, with the Braves. Why would you pitch to him? Why would you pitch to yeah. him, exactly. Just, the way he's swinging right now, I just can't imagine he's going to keep getting. Then again, there's a lot of mediocre pitching, in, in even more so, pitching. right, in September. Yeah, they, so they, they, keep th they keep throwing the polar bear and Christian Yelich and Bellinger and Mike Trout keeps getting balls. Yeah, and yeah. Our, our boy Petey. In New York, hit number 45 today yeah, as a rookie. Major League leader. He's a he's, rookie. He's a, that guy's awesome. He's got 45 jacks. Buying or selling, who's going to break Aaron Judge's record of 52 home runs for a rookie? The polar bear. <laughs> How many games is he He's going to do it. 20. They, they got to a little over, I think I, they're around 25-ish. There's, no, there's something about this guy. I think he's going to do it. I, I, I think and and I don't think that the opposing teams, they don't respect him as much as they should. No, they don't. Right? So he's, he's, not a big, he's, he's not a high average guy. No. So he right. needs seven to tie. He's a seven, yeah, to tie. seven to tie. Buying the polar I'm bear. I, I'm on it <laughs> with the juice ball. The polar bear. You know what? Can, can I can I ask a follow up question? Because I'm curious. Are you have a buying or selling oh, question? A, well, okay. Well, let's buying or selling that had Fernando Tatis not gotten hurt and played the entire season, Alonzo would still be the National League Rookie of the Year. He's I'm buying. Buying. Okay. Because he's he he he's playing for a team. That That's matters, in it. right? Yeah, I mean they yep. they've turned their season around yeah, yeah. after they were the biggest. They were a, they were a dumpster fire, and everybody was getting fired. And yeah. Co Cody was firing Callaway. Mm. And and how about my boy Brody Van Wagenen? Yes. Huh? Right, the great Stanford product. Yes. All right, last one because we're running out of time. Mike Trout made his major league debut on July eighth, two thousand eleven. I'm Since buying whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, it's Mike Trout. <laughs> Since then, he's hit. Oh, he's only hit 305 with 284 career home runs, and he hit one last night that probably still – I don't think it's landed yet. He's 28 years old. But since being in Anaheim, the, the Angels have won exactly zero playoff games in the one year they made the playoffs and they got swept by the Royals, who went on to – they lost in the World Series area to the Giants, if I'm not mistaken, in 2014. Yeah, it was a wild card game. Trout will be in Anaheim for another 11 years after this. Bryce Harper debuted in April of 2012. This is get to it. <laughs> Buying or selling, Mike Trout will make the playoffs before – or will make the playoffs – wait, how do I have this? Mike Trout won a playoff series before <laughs> Bryce Harper. Buying or selling, your questions are a little wordy. <laughs> yeah, they are. Buying or selling, Mike Trout will win a playoff series before Bryce Harper. Because Harper's never won one either. They won a playoff game, but never a series. Well, Langston might have swayed me. Maybe it's that San Jose State love. But if they go get Garrett Cole – and then they're bringing Otani back, who has ace-like stuff. And Griffin Canning will be back next year. Yeah, all of a sudden, you've now got a rotation. I I like that better than Philly staff. It's, it's a lot of ifs. That's a lot of ifs there. But, I'm the, but, but the thing, they've got a bunch of – you know what? I'm selling because I think Philly is still closer right now, and both teams will spend the money to get the pitching. The, the thing need. I was telling Tony this earlier, I heard uh, Buster only brought it up. Someone asked him what happens first. The Mariners win their first World Series. Oh God. The Padres throw their first no-hitter. Or Mike Trout <laughs> makes it to the World Series, and he said Mike Trout makes it to the World Series first. Well, I mean, no-hitter's A no-hitter no, no could happen next week. Or, but, the, I mean, but it's been 50 years, and the Padres have never done it. <laughs> By the way, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to buy the Angels over the Phillies. I am, too. And I'll tell you one of the reasons why is because the Braves are not are going to be no joke for years to come. Uh, don't neither, are the, neither are the A's. I hear you. Uh, but, but 
<laughs> you potentially could have two aces yeah. next. I mean, if, yeah. if, if if this whole Garrett Cole's coming back to L.A., I mean, that that's too legit. Now you have you, – you've weakened Garrett, Houston. Garrett Cole changes the calculus, clearly. Garrett Cole and Otani versus yeah. Verlander and, I do, like, and I do like Canning as well. Yeah, but he's he had a good rookie year. The other thing about that, too, is Otani and Cole – Way younger than Verlander Granke. Those guys way, are way younger. Way younger. Way younger. So, is that it? Yeah, that's it. Gotta All right, go. so who do I have on? Uh, you're going to Mark Mulder and Scott Hatterberg, but you're going to have um, the face of A's all night, Alex Jensen. Alex Jensen coming up next. And then on A's Total Access, you'll hear from Mark Mulder and also Scott Hatterberg. What a day. From Jim Leland. Field. Jim Leland tomorrow. Smoking Jim. Jim Leland, after the game tomorrow. Remember, it's a day game. Thank you for listening to A's Cast Live. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.